Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. I imagine you're like me, and at some point, somehow, some way, you found yourself in desperate need of help. Now, you know, it, it comes in all kinds of uh, shapes and forms and fashions. I, uh, I seem to have somehow in my 56 years found that I have a PhD in failure. I can totally blow it. I can make the most stupid mistakes. I am so good at making mistakes. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that has totally messed up nearly as much as I have, except some of y'all. I only know that because you come talk to me about it, and when I walk out, I think, feeling pretty good. So thanks for that. That's awesome. That's what a blessing to a pastor. Chuck, I, my life's more messed up than yours. Awesome. Let me see if I can help. But we do find ourselves in need of help, don't we? I mean, seriously, this four-letter word is an indicator. It's a barometer of how much you trust and believe in the power and the presence of Christ. Because, you see, I don't believe you can be a person that says, well, I'm a man-made person or, or self-made person. I don't believe you can do that and be humble enough to say help at the same time. I was watching uh, Fallon, Jimmy Fallon, as he was interviewing Donald Trump a few weeks ago. Now, that's a hoot right there. I mean, just, just Fallon and Trump together is pretty interesting. So Jimmy Fallon looks at Donald Trump and he says, he says, so is it true you've never apologized for anything? And Trump never missed a beat. He looked at him and he said, well, to, to say I'm sorry would have to mean I did something wrong. And I sat there and I thought, wow. Okay, talk about a guy that needs help. I mean, seriously, help is the position we find ourselves in. And often we use God as that last phrase. Remember what I said earlier today? I mean, most of us say, I don't think there's anything you can do but pray. And God says, wait a minute. Your life could be so much more full. Your life could be so much more le- less anxiety and pressure if you just come with the one word, help, on the front end. But at the end of the day, the reason we don't grasp and, and, and move toward help is just like a man who won't stop and ask for directions, right? I mean, I'm one of those guys. So yesterday we had my, uh, my granddaughter's birthday party. And I was pretty sure we were down at near, near Buckhead where they lived. And I was pretty sure I knew how to get to Andre's Bakery, which, by the way, that, that will bless your heart, right? So it is, it is like Buckhead's version of our, our bakery and Flowery Branch, right? So it's like Calliope Sweets is like, they're better. Andre's was just down around the corner. So I go around and I want to get a sandwich because their sandwiches are just unbelievable, right? So I, I know where I'm going. So I wound up spending about 40 minutes going to a place that was less than a mile and a half from where I was at. You know why? I was too proud to even look it up on my phone because I kept thinking, I know where I'm going. You know where I wound up? Nowhere. I did get my sandwich out. Help is something we don't naturally look toward. Matter of fact, most of us, we, the last thing we want to do is ask somebody for help. God has a picture. So if you have your Bibles with you, find the 121st Psalm. If you have it on your phone or tablet, go ahead and turn your phone on and look for Psalm 121. If you have our app, go ahead and open the app, and you can find my sermon notes there, and uh, you can kind of walk through me. And all the scripture references are already in the app. So later, if you want to go back and look at this and, and take a look at what the scripture references were, it's all on the app. 
All right, and so you can find that. So let's take a look at what help looks like. Now, help could come in, in, in this fashion. It could be uh, from a mom with three kids, two dogs, a cat, and a soccer team to get ready for a party for while her husband's out on business for the week. Help could come from a student who studied all week long to only find out that they studied the wrong subject for the final exam. Help could come when you sit across from a doctor and the doctor says you've got cancer. Help could come in so many ways in which we need help. Help may be when your spouse comes home and says, I don't love you anymore. Help could be when you just are overwhelmed and you've got more bills than you've got money in your account. We, we all need help. I don't know anybody that doesn't need help. And, and what happens is we put on our face and people say, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man, I'm doing good. And in the meantime, what you're really wanting to do is say, help. But to do that is an admission that you can't do everything. Now, I say that as if I'm, I do this well, all right? I mean, seriously, I say that like I'm, I do this well. But at the end of the day, really, I think we're all in that same boat. In the 121st Psalm, there's this deeply personal teaching that I believe God has for us. In my four plus years of being your pastor, this is the first time I've gone back to teach the same text again. All right, and the reason I wanna go back there is how intensely personal this 121st Psalm is because this is the Psalm, this was the first scripture memory I learned as a little boy. I was sitting in the old wooden pews of the Green Meadow Baptist Church in North Kingstown, Rhode Island, and I was learning scripture memory and Psalm 121 was the first thing I ever learned. And I can remember it because I can recall at eight years old when my mom's dad passed away, I remember walking up the casket and my dad walking up to me and putting his arm around me and kneeling down and saying, you know, he called me dude or called me boy. He said, dude, when, when families crumble, this is when we look to God and we say, help. When his dad passed away, I remember walking to the casket and my dad coming over and kneeling down with me again. He said, dude, what's the word? Help. When I preached his funeral service, I used the text from Psalm 121. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. When my mom passed away, I quoted that text, Psalm 121. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. It's a deeply personal process. But if you've ever been in one of those meetings that you dreaded, one of those days that you just you didn't want to happen, there's a time in which we have to look and say, I need help. And Psalm 121 gives us that picture. You know, here's some good news. If you find yourself in a position where your only help is God, I, wanna, I want you to be encouraged. God's got you right where he wants you. He's got you. Now, some of you could be saying, you know, I, okay, I've had all that I want, but he's not done with us yet. I mean, the simple fact that we're going through trials and challenges in our life, the simple fact that he's wanting to show us and teach us and mature us and grow us up. I mean, don't, did you ever have a parent say to you when you got, got spanked or disciplined, this hurts me more than you? Was that the dumbest thing you'd ever heard in your life? It was my rear end that was blistered. How does it hurt in you, right? Well, now that I became a parent, it's really easy to look because it does hurt. Now that I've got grandchildren, it really does hurt. But I recall when both, both our girls had, had babies already, I remember saying to them at both of their weddings before I walked them down the aisle, what's the word? Help. It's the scripture memory verse I taught them when little girls driving to school in the morning. Where does your help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And so you look at this and you say, well, what, what all does God promise in this 121st Psalm? Why is it for me? Well, first of all, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. God is our provider. Everything we have, everything we get to have, everything we will have, God is letting us be a steward of it while we're here. And he's going to look at us and say, what did you do with what I gave you? 
Because many of us don't have anything more. We don't have greater relationships. We, have, we don't have healthier families. We don't have greater relationship with our kids or our grandkids because we haven't put anything into it. We haven't done anything with what God's blessed us with. Often we see the only thing that benefits us is the money, and we forget all those things that matter most. But the fact is, when you're in that casket, that money's not going to matter. When your marriage falls apart, that's, the money's not going to matter. And God says, well, let's, let's try to settle this. So look in verse 1 and 2. Psalm 121 says, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, the answers to the problems that we face, whether you want to call it America or Georgia or Sugar Hill or your family or your extended family, our problems aren't going to be solved through, through bigger government or less government. It's not going to be found in a new president. It's not going to be found in, in a, a new judge. It's not going to be found with higher education. The only answers we're going to find when we cry out to help is we recognize we're crying out help to a holy God that loves us, a God who created us, a God who spoke the world into existence, and a God that says, I cannot wait for you to call on my name. Jeremiah 3.23 says, our worship of idols on the hills and our religious orgies on the mountains are a delusion. Only in the Lord our God will Israel ever find salvation. What, what God's trying to say to us is this. When your world's falling apart, God will give you exactly what you need. And we look at three simple truths that you find here. And it's unbelievable how simple this is in Psalm 121. Number one, he gives us security. I don't know about you, but security is something that is really not found in this life. I mean, security is hard to find. Most of us, our, our, our finances aren't secure. We've seen them collapse and fall apart. We've seen good families fall apart. Security is such an odd thing. I believe Psalm 121 is when Jesus comes together and he says with the Trinity and the power of all that God is, he says, I am there. I give you security. Look at Psalm 121, verse 2 again. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 32, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. See, here's the deal. God controls the world. He can do anything he wants with the world. He can do anything in the world, through the world, for the world. God can do any of this. And so I look at this and I think to myself, if he controls this world, why then do I not look for him for help? Don't I want the one person who spoke all this into existence, don't I want to go to him first? Why don't we do that? Why is it that he's the end of the rope? Why is it that he is the last person we turn to for help? Because most of us really do believe we can fix our own junk. So here's what I'd ask you. How well is that working for you? Now, you could say, well, you know, right now, Chuck, life's pretty good. But, you know, we're all in one of three phases of life. We're either about to be in a mess, we're in the middle of a mess, we're just coming out of a mess. That's life. And the fact is, at some point, we're going to need to look to the one who created us. God controls this world. In Psalm 115, verse 3, it says, but our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. You take a single lightning bolt, all right? A single lightning bolt, it's, it's fascinating. The air molecules around one lightning bolt, it's about two inches wide, heats the path that it finds to 32,000 degrees Celsius, five times the heat of the face of the sun. One lightning bolt. Did you know that one lightning bolt we only see for 300 millionths of a second, but it creates enough power for one billion homes for one month? Did you know that that lightning bolt is so powerful, and yet God says, I am your ever-present help in times of what? Trouble. Okay, here's the creator that created that lightning who creates all the power we need. Why would we make him our last resort? 
Why do we turn to him at the end of our rope rather than giving our life to him so that he might have that power, that presence, that strength, guide us and direct us in our lives? He gives us security, but he also gives us stability. I mean, the older I get, the more I realize I need stability. I remember when I used to could run. I mean, like you're 55 plus. I mean, the days of, I mean, the older I get, the better I was. At one time, I was an athlete. At one time, I could do stuff. Now, when I try to do stuff, it is ridiculous. I'll never forget, a few years ago, I thought I'd play, I thought I'd play softball in the men's league here, right? So I, I go out, I'm, I'm doing my thing, right? And um, I am playing second base. The guy on third base is kind of a guest player with us from the Presbyterian church. Never trust him, all right? And <laughs> ground ball to third base where he kind of cuts in front of a shortstop to get it, he's probably no more than 15, 20 feet from me. There's a runner on first, so I go to make the tag or, or step on a base at second, right, and try to force a double play. He gets the ball, and he threw it at me as if I was somebody he was trying to kill. Now, keep in mind, all this right here, that was 71, 71 pounds heavier than this. So that ball came flying at me. It hit the tip of my glove, knocked my hat off, busted me right here on my brow, and blood is everywhere. I mean, it is just nasty. I mean, it's re- like the next morning, Jen woke up, and she saw me and looked at my head and said, okay, you got to stop. You just, you're too old. I thought, that's what every dude wants to hear, right? Like, you're such an old dude. I mean, really, my head's out here. My, my wife's not looking at me saying, oh, honey, let me get you some ice. She's looking at me saying, come on, you got to stop. How stupid is this, right? But I thought to myself then, you know what I needed? I need a little help. You ever been there? I mean, I've had to walk into meetings where I thought, Lord, I just need a little help. I need the stability of knowing you're with me. You've got me. You hold me. Look in verse 3. It says, he will not allow your foot to be moved. You know, every now and then the challenges of life are going to beat you up. They're going to wear you out. And he's saying, I'm not going to let you, I've got you. I'm going to stabilize your life. You know, I say this to almost everybody who comes and see me for any counseling session, and that is this. Single greatest commodity you can have in your life is to find peace. It doesn't matter if you have more money if you don't have peace. If you, if you don't have peace in your life, nothing else is going to matter. And what he says to us here is, I'm going to give you stability, and then I'm also going to give you serenity. Look at verse 3 and 4 together. He keeps... He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. God never takes a coffee break. He's got you from the time you're up until the time you're up the next day. He's waiting on you to be a part of his life. He says, I've got you. I'm going I'm to bring you security. I'm going to bring you stability. I'm going to bring you some serenity. You know, no parent can keep up with their kids all the time. I mean, I, I, I can remember when they were little or, or like yesterday, we were at this birthday party and Presley, our little granddaughter, and she can just go like 100 miles an hour now. And she's, she's, she's probably just like her mother. I mean, you know, I have prayed for my daughter that she would have a hellion. I mean, just a kid that would absolutely wear her out. You know what? Because she's earned it. She's earned every one of them. And you know what? God has heard my prayer. And that kid, I'm telling you, is going to drive her more crazy than she is now. But you know what? You can't be on guard all the time. Kids are going to do stupid stuff, aren't they? I did mine. Yours did too. But God's on, he's on call 24-7, 365. He's never going to miss it. I mean, it, how beautiful is that? To recognize the stability, the security, and serenity that he brings. It kind of reminds me that I feel like I'm walking into an addict's room, and I need to say, hi, I'm Chuck. 
I'm a depression, anxiety, worry, dread-filled human who flirts on the edge of depression often, who at times falls off the cliff and clings to a vine. I feel like every now and then I'm like the guy who falls off a cliff and he grabs the vine sticking out. And I feel like I cry out to God like this guy and say, God, I, I need you. Help me. Or if you're there, help me. And I hear this voice where God's, okay, if you, you're going to do that, just let go. And I, I turn back too often and say, okay, is there another voice out there that could give me some ideas? <laughs> Been there? Man, what do we do? And I would say to some of you in this room are saying, man, I've never been there before. Then I'd say, man, buckle up because it's coming. There are seasons in our life where it's just brutal. Relationships have fallen apart and relationships with children have fallen apart and the money's gone and the health is gone and my peace is gone and my sanity's gone. And from where, where do I seek my help? Not in the mountains, not in the government, not in education, you know, not even in the church. I seek my help from the Lord. Because he brings all these things. But God is not just a provider. I love this. God is our protector. I, I recall when I, when I was a little boy, I, I got in fights all the time. I got kicked out of everything for fighting. I mean, I was awful. I mean, I, I really, I look back now, and I don't know how my parents didn't kill me. But uh, I, my older sister, Terry, she's uh, eight years older than I am. Right? I'm the baby. I have two older sisters. And so my older sister, Terry, uh, one day she walks out in the front yard, and me and his kid are about to get at it. And Terry walks over in between the two of us, and she looks at this older kid, and I thought, she's, she's about to hit him. She, she's going to hit him. And so I, I, I saw her kind of drag that kid off, like, all the way across the street to his parents, knock on the door. And I thought, okay, that was so uncool that my big sister bailed me out. But you know what? She was my protector. And I thought, how cool is that? You know, God is not just a provider of our stuff. He's not just a heavenly candy machine that gives us good stuff. He... He wants to provide for us, but he wants to protect us. He wants to hold us and keep us. I mean, here's what the, here's what the scriptures say. The Lord is your keeper. In verse 5, several times in these verses you read the word keep. That word keep literally means to protect, to guard. And I don't know about you, man, but I, I, need, I need somebody to protect me from my stupid. I can make some really awful decisions, can't you? I need a protector, not just a provider. It goes on and says in verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Now, don't miss this. He's a shield and he's a shade, it says. Now, if you've been around Sugar Hill Church, you've heard me reference this repeatedly from Psalm 121. When you were a little Jewish boy, you got taught how to hold a shield in your left hand. Didn't matter if you're left or right-handed. You got taught how to have a shield in your left hand. You had your weapon in the right hand. Well, it goes to, goes to just look at it naturally. You'd say, well, the weakest part of your life when you're at war, you got a shield here, you got a weapon here. This is offensive. So this right-hand side is completely left open and vulnerable and exposed. And God comes along and says, I'm going to be your shield and I'm going to be your shade at the right hand where you are most vulnerable. So wherever you're most vulnerable to, God wants to shield you from that. God wants to be your protection at that point. You say, well, you know what, Chuck, I'm, just, I'm addicted to porn. God wants to stand in between that and say, I want to protect you from that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm addicted to, to painkillers. God wants to be your shield and stand between those two. I'm in an awful relationship. I'm in a relationship I shouldn't be in. God said, I want to stand between you. I want, I want to protect you at your most vulnerable place. Because, see, this is a God who doesn't give us universal protection. He gives us highly personal protection. It's a God who knows where you are most vulnerable, where you are most weak. 
And you see, this is a God that knows what your strengths are because he gave them to you. And he knows your weaknesses because he allowed you to have them so that we could find people that would overcome our weaknesses and join us in our strengths that together we might make a difference for the cause of Christ. That's what God has created us to be. He's not just a protector. He is a provider. He's not just a provider. He's a protector. He's both those things. He's our shield. He's our shade. Scripture goes on and says here in verses 5 and 6, the Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. Literally, verse 6 goes on and says, the sun will not strike you. The moon will not harm you. What, what God is giving us through the psalmist is that there is never a time that God is not your provider. There's never a time that God is not your protector. But God loves you so much, you get to pick whether he's your provider or your protector. You get to pick. And, and when you say, well, how do I pick? How do I jump in? It sounds like this. God, I need help. Not from anybody, but you. I want to surrender. I need you. God's our provider. God is our protector. But listen, God is also our preserver. I think this is one of those beautiful promises in all the Bible. Look at what it says in verses 7 and 8. The Lord will preserve, preserve you from all evil. He will preserve your soul. The Lord will preserve your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. So how long is forevermore? You say, well, forever. Well, how long is forever? Well, eternity. Well, how long is eternity? Longer than we can imagine. And they're saying, if you'll let me, the psalmist is saying, if you'll let God be your first cry for help, he will not just be your provider. He will not just be your protector. He's going to be your preserver. He wants to hold you, keep you, provide for you, and not let you stumble. But you've got to let him do that. He's got to stop being the last option and become the very first option. He's got to stop being, I don't know what else I can do, and become, this is where I go. Because God is longing, like a daddy does to a child, for you to run into his lap and say, I need you, dad. I need you. Too many of us, including myself, often see our view of God through the lens of our earthly dad. And it, I really want us to see today, wait a minute, he is a good, good father that wants to provide for you, that wants to protect you, that wants to preserve you. And when it says preserve you from all evil, that word evil is not speaking so much about evil done to you as much as talking about evil we do. God wants to be a shade, a shield, a protector, a provider. He wants to be a preserver so that we don't keep making the same stupid decisions over and over again. He wants to keep us from evil that we choose. And God is saying to us in Psalm 121, listen, I want to be all these things to you, but you have got to choose to let that happen. God promises that if we follow him, love him, serve him, obey him, he won't lead us into temptation, but he'll deliver us from what? Evil. And so God is saying, let me do this. But you say, well, okay, is he good for this week because I've been good? Is he good for this day because I didn't cuss? Is he okay this Friday because I didn't drunk last night? Is he saying, well, that's all right because, I've, man, I'm almost off that Xanax? I mean, whatever it is, right? I mean, God's, we've all got our junk. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, that's not me. I got it all together. Let me just stop and lovingly say, then you got another problem. Because you see, we learned a few weeks ago that pride comes just before what? The fall. 
And God's saying, I am your ever-present help in time of trouble. God preserves us for all eternity. I mean, look at verse 7 and 8 again. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and you go, both now and forever. You see, that's, that speaks so, so powerfully to eternal security. When you say, okay, God, I want to be a part of your family. I want to accept Jesus. I want to cry out, help, Lord, I need your help. Then literally, when you say, forgive me my sins, I, I want you, I need you, help. God brings you into his family. He adopts you into his family. You get full rights of the family member. I mean, you, you are joint heirs of the kingdom. You are the king's child. And he says, I want to bring you in for all eternity. Nobody can rob you. I think a lot of us live our life as if we're in a race from here to heaven to make sure we outrun Satan. We try to outrun evil. Could I just stop and say to you, we're losing if that's the case. God says, no, let me preserve you for all eternity. Let me hold you now as it is here and in heaven. Ring a bell? As it is here, as in heaven. And so I look at this and I say to myself, God will not only be faithful to the end, he's going to be faithful beyond the end. Like when, when you feel like I'm just not worthy, man, you're almost there. When you feel like there's nowhere else to go but to say, God, I just need you help. Man, you're arriving somewhere. Where are you arriving? At the place where you experience his provision, his protection, and he really, really wants to preserve your soul to keep us from evil, to keep us from ourselves, to keep us from bad choices. You know, if you've been around very long, you know that I end every sermon almost with, with this blessing. May you allow the Lord to go before you and always make a way and make your crooked path straight. For he can and he will. And then I say, and would you allow the Lord to go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment? For he is always good and you are always loved. Then I say, and in those days that are dark and difficult, would you allow him to come behind you and pick you up and carry you through the middle of your troubles and your sorrow and set you down on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead? And may you see his eyes as they lock on yours and wrap his arms around you and hear your Savior say, my child, I love you. Oh, listen, friend. I look up in this text and I see all through here the thought that he loves us. So when friends abandon you, God is your provider. When other folks hurt you, remember, God's your protector. And when fear consumes you, he is our preserver. You see, he's waiting for you to say, help. I don't need just anybody. I need the creator, God, the divine, who wants to reach down in our life, provide, protect, and preserve his kids, that we would be a part of his kingdom. Today, why don't you just say yes? And right behind yes, help. Lord, I need you. And go sit at the big boy table with God as he says, now this kid's part of my family. Come be a part of my family. Come be a part of my kingdom where I provide and I protect and I preserve. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.